Hey, welcome back to Kansas City's Marketing and Advertising Podcast. I am your host again, David English. I have with me today a, uh, a longtime friend. I um, come to think about it as I'm going through and prepping for this conversation. I honestly forgot how we met. I'm sure it was through a networking group. Um, his name is Mike Montague, and he is the uh, Vice President of Online Learning at Sandler Training here in Kansas City. He is um, he's much more than that, though. He's a, he's a published author. He has built over 200 websites on his own. He is extraordinary when talking about sales and marketing. And um, overall, probably one of the more approachable guys that you'll come across. I think of all the guests we've had on here, he's probably one of the most well-rounded from a sales and marketing uh, point of view guests that we've had on who can talk about a wide, wide variety of different topics when it comes to the business world. And I'm pumped to have him on. Um, Mike, how are you doing today? What's going on, man? Good. Thanks for having me on the show. It's exciting to be a guest on somebody else's podcast for once. Yeah, you've got your own. I want to, I want to dig into it. It's uh, I've listened to a lot of the episodes, and we'll definitely spend some time talking about it because um, the work you guys do over there is, is really fantastic. Yeah, it's called the How to Succeed podcast. You can search for it on iTunes or Google Play or whatever if you want to check it out. But I've been interviewing guests like you are here for, uh, I guess, like three and a half years, almost four years now. And uh, we've had over a million downloads. So it's been going great and, and been super fun. That's awesome. How many how many guests have you had on? I, I've caught a lot of them, but not nearly all. No, uh, I have guests every Monday, and then we also do episodes on Friday. So I don't know how many actual interviews I've done, probably over 200 or so, but we're somewhere around 300 and, and some episodes now. Well, that's awesome. That's fun. I uh, Congratulations on your success there. That's really great. Real quick, give everyone a background. I, I, I gave a brief synopsis, but it definitely doesn't do it justice. Give the, the listeners an idea. Who are you? Where are you from? What's What's going on? Sure. Born and raised here in Kansas City. Um, we can speed up a little bit, though. We'll skip to, <laughs> to the career-wise. I've done some interesting things. On the podcast, you might recognize my voice. I was Romeo on Mix 93.3 and 105.1 Jack FM yep. here in Kansas City in my 20s and DJed around bars and clubs. And that's kind of where I got into the marketing side of things. And I moved to an advertising agency out of radio and then to Sandler Training. My dad owns a, a local sales training company in Riverside. And then I jumped to the national side of things for Sandler. So now I'm the vice president of online learning at Sandler. But I've spent most of my life doing one of three things, uh, sales, marketing, or building websites. And I kind of do all three for Sandler now. I build online sales uh, training courses that I have to market and sell through the websites and, and platforms that me and my team built. Well, that's fantastic. What? So, what is Sandler more in depth? What? What? What kind of sales organization is it? I mean, you you have classes and educational formats for people. What's? Give Give us an idea. Yeah, if you're not familiar with Sandler training, we do sales management and customer service training for businesses and individuals and Fortune 500 companies all around the world. So there's about 275 locations in 31 countries and 17 languages. There are four locations in the Kansas City area and 
we basically work with people to grow their business, no matter what that looks like. So sometimes that's inside sales or call centers. Most of the time that's outside sales, but it also has to do with strategy and strategic partnerships and sales management and organizational leadership in setting up the company for strategic growth too. And are these one-time classes? Or are there programs that people are going through and uh, you know, that's built for continued education? Yeah, that's a great point. Where there's kind of three things that separate Sandler from what you would think of as traditional sales training. Number one is it is ongoing. We do continuous reinforcement because a lot of sales trainers or gurus, or you've probably even just seen public speakers, David, they come in, they do yeah. a really great talk and you're fired up. You're like, wow, that's awesome. I can't wait to try it. And then by Monday, if you remember to try it, it doesn't quite work out like they said in the talk. And then um, you're kind of left doing what you've always done. The, the motivation wears off really quick and those cool tips and tactics uh, didn't quite pan out the way uh, you were hoping. And you kind of just get stuck. So Sandler does ongoing weekly or, or monthly classes to stick with you and coach you and train you and, and help you figure these things out so that we actually get change. The other thing that I would say is different about Sandler is that we don't want you to play the buyer-seller game better. We want you to stop playing the game. So if I explain that a little bit, yeah, most it. sales trainers will tell you to like make more calls or, or here's a great one-liner or an opening line or a closing line. And they're really trying to, to win the buyer-seller dance more times than you were previously, if that makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. And in Sandler, our mission is to get you to stop playing the game altogether. That That's really the buyer's uh, kind of, uh, I guess we call it the games, but um, I, I'm sure there's a, a better, nicer way to say it too, because we're all buyers and we're all sellers, right? So the funny part is, as soon as I go buy something, I start doing the buyer thing. I say, well, no, I'm just looking or um, I'm, I want some, you know, consulting here. Tell me more about this or can I just get a price I'm browsing and I need to go talk to my wife and all those things that we do as buyers to get information from salespeople without paying them any money or committing to anything. Have you seen that, David? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's it's a dance and yeah. that, you know, there's a routine, a traditional, I guess, conversation that people will go through in this, in a sales or a buying setting of, no, I'm just looking. Well, I want more information. Well, yeah, yeah. and it, it really, to, to bypass a lot of that and um, work more on a, a deeper level with the client is what I think you're talking about. Yeah, so if you think about the opposite of that, you know, anytime there's not any real trust or there's no, you know, better system. I think that's the default. People have in their brains the stereotype of how you should treat a salesperson and how you should be as a salesperson if you've never been in sales before. And so it's that default pattern if we don't set up expectations for something different. But we've also all bought something where it didn't go anything like that that your friend recommended a, a really good contractor or something, and you looked at their website and they have, uh, really great work and they come in and you they treat you differently and you treat them differently and you know they tell you what the best course of action is 
Um, a doctor's office is usually a really good example too, right? Like a doctor doesn't say, here's all the great prescriptions I can uh, prescribe. Which one do you want today? <laughs> well, that, that would be stupid and none of us would pick the right thing, right? But why do right. we do that in every other business? Why do we let the amateurs, the buyers decide which products they want and what they like and what they prefer? You know, I, I always kind of... Um, I think since we're talking to marketing people, they could relate to websites. When I was building websites for people, I always thought like, why would I let you say, oh, I want a really ugly website that doesn't work and doesn't rank high in search engines? Yeah. Like, Because that's basically what you're telling me. If you're a local you know, plumber or roofer and you're telling me how to build your website, you're that's what you're saying. I, I don't want it to look as good as you can make it. I don't want it uh, to rank as high and I don't want it to collect as many leads as it possibly can. Uh, I would rather have what I want than than an effective website. But if we're professionals, if we're consultants in any business, we should really treat it like the doctor's office or the lawyer's office and say, hey, you're the client, you're the patient. Let me hear all about your problems. I want to know everything that's going on so I can accurately diagnose that and prescribe you a solution that that fits your budget, that solves your problem and that you're going to be happy with. And most people find that to be a lot more comforting than having to be a pushy, high-pressure salesperson. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's trusting the professionals to do what they do well. And, you know, it's the same reason that, um, you know, you, you go through a series of, of, of drafts and a series of revisions. At the end of the day, it is, if you're going through revisions on your website, it's your job to stand up and say, hey, listen, this doesn't look right. It, you need to make some changes for this to really be as as good as you want, and that should be in in your hands and not someone who dabbles in it or or is a an expert in a different field. Mm -hmm. uh, but so, how big of organizations will you guys work with? I mean, is it is it just for these large corporate organizations, or are, do you love working with the the locally owned companies as well? Uh, I would say um, Sandler's been doing this for fifty years, right. uh, and we started in the small to medium-sized business space. So locally um, training with those independent franchise owners that we have around the country, they will um, work closely with small businesses. And then about 15, 20 years or so ago, we started a corporate training division, which works for very large companies. Um, I get to name drop here. Uh, I wrote a book with LinkedIn. They do a Sandler training. Microsoft, uh, Splunk, uh, HubSpot, like all kinds of huge uh, tech companies we work with, but also construction companies and insurance uh, like Mass Mutual and uh, yeah. even the Girl Scouts of the <laughs> United States. Um, the Girl Scouts do training for selling cookies and collecting donations and, and stuff. <laughs> so it's really any type of organization. It's really just when you need an outside help to get to the next level. You've run out of ideas, right? That if you had anything as a business owner that would double your or triple your sales next year, you'd probably already be doing it, right? right? So at some point you say, well, I've taken this as far as I can go. I need some outside help to take it to the next level. That makes sense. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. You, you didn't drop the name of your book though, man. I've got to give you time. What's the name of the book? Yeah, it's called LinkedIn the Sandler Way, and it's a little old for a LinkedIn book uh, now because it's five years ago, but we did make it evergreen. So it's for salespeople. I want to be really clear about that, that I found that there's so much social media marketing and uh, like 
just advertising advice out there, right? How do I get my name or, or business in front of as many people as possible on social media? And I found that that works okay for businesses, but it doesn't work really great for individual sales reps. That if you have a team of salespeople or even just five team uh, people on your team, they can't all be industry experts with thousands of followers and in 50 groups and, you know, growing this huge marketing list. That's kind of what the company's for. So I got together with LinkedIn and Sandler and LinkedIn collaborated. We got their best practices. We got our best practices from around the country. And we collected 25 tips for salespeople on how to leverage LinkedIn in your individual, like, direct one-on-one -on -one conversations uh, you would have with a sales prospect. Nice. No, it's a, it's a good book. It really is. I think, and you're right, it's evergreen. It, um, old for LinkedIn or not, the practices still stay, stay true. Um, let's chat about marketing for a while. Um, you've built a lot of websites. You have helped people uh, build and develop brands and um, around their businesses. Um, I had a hand, I've had a handful of guests come on, talk about brand development. I want to talk about it again, though, because I think it's incredibly important. Um, what's a brand like? I mean, what, what does that look like? Is that an overnight process or is that something that takes a lot of time? I mean, talk to us about building a brand for, for a minute. Hmm. I think it could happen quickly, but that's definitely something where consistency matters. I think... Yeah. You know, when I, I think of basic branding stuff, I think of, well, your logo should be the same on everything. Like the images and the colors and stuff that you use should be the same on everything that you put out, your communication to your clients, prospects, marketing, advertising. Um, if all of that has the same look and feel, people start to recognize those messages. So even if you're a small individual business owner and you're going to your local uh, B&I or, or chamber event, you need to show up in the same way and in the way that you want people to perceive you, right? I think we've all seen people that, um, you know, have a face tattoo or something and then complain because they can't get a job. And you're like, well, <laughs> you might be putting the wrong brand out there, right? <laughs> yeah. that face tattoos are cool for UFC fighters, not cool for, you know, corporate salespeople calling on doctor's offices. Um, so I think you need to just start kind of making those intentional decisions. And sometimes that can be tough because you're kind of at the beginning making it up. It doesn't exist. And then it, it becomes true over time. So I've always kind of struggled with, well, if I could make my company anything, that's that's too much to pick from. So I need to narrow it down to, you know, who do I want to serve? What do I want to be? What does this look like in an ideal world? And then how can I tell that story over and over again so that other people start believing it and it becomes true over yeah. time? Is that fair? Yeah, I, mean, no, I think that's great. That's kind of what I, I thought you'd go with that. The consistency is something we have talked about quite a bit on this podcast with a handful of other guests. And I, I see a lot of companies making the mistake the other direction. And then they, you know, sometimes logos are blue and green. Sometimes they are red and yellow. Sometimes they're big, sometimes they're small. And, I think how you want to be seen, cons consistency has to be a huge part of that. And you have to be, uh, it's a long burn for that. I mean, you're right, it can happen quickly, but it is a long, consistent burn to really develop a strong brand and one that 
even if you're a locally owned business and you're still growing, you have to be consistent because people need to recognize you for who, who you want them to see. Yeah, I think it's so interesting to me. I get to see Seth Godin speak uh, next week, okay. and I'm super pumped about that. I think he's the best marketing author, uh, maybe best marketing mind on, on the planet. But he has this great line that the story beats you there. And I don't think we consider that enough as individual marketers and, and salespeople that chances are the story of how you should treat a salesperson beat you to your sales call. That that story is already in your prospect's head. So when you show up carrying a briefcase and a business card, the story inside their head is this is a salesperson. I have to treat salespeople this certain way, right? But it could be the same in your marketing. If you're telling people that you just opened a, a, a plumber uh, business, well, what do you think of? We think of like overweight guys with their crack showing and you know a, a sloppy t-shirt. We all so, have an image of what a plumber looks like and what a plumbing company should be. Right. And, yeah. and a, like a, a, you know, a tool belt on and some sort of van pulls up, right? You're like, okay, that's what I'm expecting from a plumber. So if that's your brand, sometimes it's easier for you to fit in. But if you want to be different from every other plumber, which most people do, because that's how you get to charge higher prices and, and get more clients and more referrals is because you do something better or different than everybody mm -hmm. else then we have to think, okay, instead of the van, let's not do a van. Let's do trucks or let's do, you know, sprinters or, um, you know, like the Geek Squad showed up in the, the VW Beatles and stuff. You realize, okay, they're not like everybody else. They now have a brand. And I think you see that with the best brands on the planet. Apple devices look different than every other device on the shelf, right? If you... Um, look at, at Nike or Adidas, they want the story of what Nike stands for to beat them to the clothes rack, right? So that when you're buying it, uh, you already know what Nike stands for and what you're buying into when you choose that product. But on a smaller scale, the same thing is true. You have to say, all right, what do I want to be? What story am I telling to people to separate myself from everybody else? Because if we don't separate, it just comes down to price. That's everybody's default issue if you're like every other plumber on the planet. Yeah, it makes sense. And when you're putting websites together um, for companies, what, you know, what, what's popular right now? What, what's, you know, what's the new, you know, new trend in websites? Is it e-commerce? Are people using sites to just get, garner information and then they're calling off of a Google search? What, what's a site look like these days when it's fresh and new? That's good. I'm building one right now. We're rebuilding Sandler.com, which is a, a big site with millions of, of visitors every year. And uh, we're really looking at clean and simple, a lot of white space. If, if you go to, you know, Samsung, Apple, or, or any of the large websites, you, you see a lot of clean, simple designs these days, which is great because it allows room for like the content and a lot more readability than, um, I think the way websites have previously been, I think maybe graphic designers got a little crazy in the 90s and early 2000s, kind of designing uh, lots of heavy gradients and images and, and too much on a website. And now people are thinking them about them more as like landing pages where this is a, a brochure for your website, but we're telling one story a page and we're trying to get a specific action here and do something on the website rather than just 
show something flashy or make us look cool or or feel like we're cool because we have a a nice you know flashy pretty website. Yeah. So you also hit on some other things. I think people want to do a lot more research. So content marketing is still huge. Having a blog, having a podcast. We do webinars and white papers and uh, videos weekly. We publish books and and ebooks and newsletters. I mean, we want to put a ton of content out there again, because we want to spread that story and we want to get people engaging with Sandler to learn before they become clients. We want to start being their trusted advisor and consultant before they ever, you know, start paying us to be so. Yeah. And then uh, I think e-commerce definitely getting conversions, whether those are our leads and phone calls that the sales team can follow up on or whether they're small purchases. I think small purchases are huge. And a lot of people have figured this out on websites now that even if you can get a seven or $12 purchase, that that person is now a client that changes the relationship that they trusted you enough to spend money on something to, to buy a book. Or for us, we have a ton of online courses and that's what I build. So they started like 47 bucks. Um, you know, you can check out the no pressure prospecting course or how to bulletproof your business. And they're just kind of little trust trials. They're just ways to get the relationship started and take it to the next level without, you know, asking somebody to get married on the first date. Yeah. So how, how often should someone refresh their website or rebuild their website? Ooh, I would say three to five years. Okay. Um, Ideally, you're continually changing it all of the time. So we're doing a complete rebuild about five years later. But I think you should be adding new content and changing stuff up and keeping it current every month, uh, at least. In doing that, would it prevent a whole new rebuild down the road? Or are you inevitably looking at rebuilding one every five-ish years? I'd say you're probably look at rebuilding it every five years anyway. Um, but that generally just means like a restyling and rebranding because technology moves so fast. So when we built a Sandler.com uh, five years ago, it was flashy. It was great. It was, you know, cutting edge. And five years later, everybody else has updated their website. And now ours looks like one of the oldest one and design styles have changed and, um, the resolution on videos and images keep, continues to increase as internet speeds and computer storage increases. So I think you're probably going to want to do some sort of rebuild design refresh every five years, no matter what. But that doesn't have to be a huge project either. It could just be um, I've seen as low as like five hundred dollars up to, um, you know, five thousand dollars or something just to reskin the website and kind of take a, a fresh look at it and start over. Makes sense. So I'm going to switch gears on you real quick because we're running out of time and I don't want to keep you all day. Um, in regards to sales, um, I live in a sales environment. I know you do too um, for a lot of your day. I had a question come in from a listener the other day and I wanted to ask you specifically this, but her comment to me was she's a she's a business owner uh, here in Kansas City and, and therefore not in sales and she doesn't want to be in sales. She's not a salesperson doesn't like sales and uh, but wants to know how the best way to grow her business. And um, there are a lot of holes in the question and that mm -hmm. I, I think you and I could address pretty quickly. Um, real quick, what are your initial thoughts there? 
Like we talked about earlier, what I hear when I hear people say I don't want to be in sales is they don't want to be a pushy traditional salesperson. Exactly. And I I will easily say, do not do that. Uh, I don't want to be one either. And I train thousands of salespeople. Um, So great. Don't, Don't be that person. But you do have to grow your business. So that leaves a couple of options. Um, before I get to those, the, the other thought there on the setup is you're in sales, whether you like it or not, everybody's in sales, whether you're trying to talk your kid into coming home by curfew or, you know, your wife to go to the vacation you want to go to instead of the, the one she wants to go to, or your business, you're trying to hire employees, you're trying to motivate people, you're trying to talk them into doing what, you know, you have as the vision for the company. So as a business owner, you're in sales, no matter what. So right question then becomes, what kind of salesperson do you want to be? Now, the other half of that coin is sales versus marketing. And I think a lot of people confuse these two. And a lot of people that are uncomfortable in sales default to marketing as the option. Then, Well, let me see how I can spend money or outsource my success to somebody else. And that almost never works. Um, you can find avenues to throw fuel on the fire. Um, and I think about advertising and marketing like placing bets. Once I have a story that works and sells, what I wanna do is add fuel to that fire. I wanna make a bet that I can get more back than what I'm putting into it. And that's when marketing becomes powerful to me. Um, and to a certain extent, sales is that way too, because you can build a sales team and hire more people. And once you figure out how to do hand-to-hand combat, it's not as scary and you can scale that as well. So the question becomes, if you want your business to be as solid as possible and you want to grow as fast as possible, why would you not do all of it? Why wouldn't you be marketing and networking and advertising and selling and working on getting referrals and fishing through channels. We call it fishing with a net instead of a pole. What if you could create a relationship with somebody that sent you a whole lot of business every single month? So um, think about like the doctor's offices. If you're a chiropractor, you specialize in, in you know fixing certain issues, but you don't fix others. So you could refer a lot of patients that have other issues. You know, if they have heart issues, you send them over to a cardiologist and the cardiologist can send you people that have back and neck issues. And so you can create these relationships where you're getting lots of leads. But again, I I circle back to, I don't wanna put all my eggs in one basket. I don't wanna say, hey, here's all my money. I'm putting it all into one Super Bowl ad. I'm gonna spend a million dollars this year, get 30 seconds and try and catch everybody because that's just way too dangerous. If that doesn't pay off, you're out of business. But if you have salespeople on the street, if you have social media going on, you got a great website, you got billboards out there, you got radio ads, you got um, networking relationships and strategic alliances, your business becomes bulletproof that if any one of those situations changes, the most you lose is maybe 20%, then you're in a really, really good spot. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we, I, I talk about, you know, the, just taking a little piece of what you just said, but I talk to people, customers about budgeting all the time. And the last thing you need to do is put all your eggs into one basket. Um, you're, you're hundred percent spot on. And, and everything else you said was great too. 
And um, one more tip yeah. there before we move along is all of those have different time frames too. So if sure. you think about smoothing out your business, the Super Bowl only happens once a year. So what are you going to do to get business in September um, when it's six months away? I think, you know, sometimes sales can be quicker. Sometimes marketing and, and a Google ad can be quicker. But you need to balance short-term, medium, and long-term results that, you know, things like branding and and longer exposure messages take a lot more time to get take hold than, you know, short-term quick fixes. But you can't just do all quick fixes either because they get expensive or they stop working uh, because they were temporary fixes. Right. So you would argue that sales and marketing um, really run hand in hand with each other. I mean, it's, it's not one or the other. No, it, I mean, traditionally, it's called sales and marketing right. for a reason. And so many people think sales or marketing, and I, I don't know why. Um, but I've grown up in this world that I've always kind of done both and seen the benefits of both. But um, there's a really great white paper at Sandler.com if you click on the resources tab about sales and marketing alignment. But you see so many struggles that even in large companies with departments, you know, marketing is trying to make the phone ring and sales is trying to convert those phone calls into business. And they start fighting because oh, I'm not getting enough leads or I'm getting uh, too many leads, but nobody's buying. I need more qualification here and stuff. Or marketing says, hey, we're giving you a bunch of really great leads and you're not closing any of them. So you need to work on this or we need you to identify our ideal client better so we can focus the ads better. And I, I think you just want to uh, work on that balance and make sure that they are working together for the same mission of uh, growing the company. So that's why I call it business development, which I think yeah. is is much better than sales or marketing. Yeah, I love that. I, uh, uh, we're going to wrap up here and uh, I've got a uh, Again, I know I've got to let you go. What um, what little piece of advice before we head out would you really give to that business owner who's trying to get started up? What what are your thoughts there? Um, really quickly, if uh, they're all struggling in the sales and marketing world, and um, maybe through a website, you know, what, any any really simple advice you'd pass along? Two things came to mind. First is you got to figure out who you're serving. Way too many people want to sell everybody in that or market to everybody. And that's really expensive and really dangerous because you're going to get a heck of a lot of no's and you're going to waste a lot of money and time chasing people that are just not right for you. So mm -hmm. step number one is get as specific as possible about who you're selling to, what makes an ideal client, who do you love working with, who really appreciates what you do and is willing to pay a premium for what you do. And that'll make your life sales or marketing much, much easier. And I think the second thing is then deciding what your hook is. What is your unique selling proposition and what are you going to, you know, plant your flag in the ground and say, this is what we're about. And when you can match those two things up, who you serve with what you stand for, you're going to find success no matter what, what channel you're trying to market through. I love it, man. That's awesome. But I, Again, thanks for coming on today. I know you're busy. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to find you um, off, you know, off the podcast? Sure. I'm at Mike D. Montague on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all the usual uh, channels and stuff there. But I would encourage you to find more information about what I do and what Sandler does at sandler.com slash sell. I have set up a free e-learning library. So there's hundreds of podcasts, white papers, 
webinars, videos that you can check out to improve your sales, marketing, and leadership skills. And it's completely free. You get to demo the Sandler Online platform that I've built. It's just sandler.com slash sell, S-E-L-L, for the Sandler eLearning Library. I appreciate that. Well, Mike, I, that, that's great information. Thanks again for coming on. You've been a longtime friend. I enjoy, I've enjoyed this conversation, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up soon, man. You take care. You bet. Thanks for calling. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you later.